BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to another Mother Runner podcast. This is your host, Sarah Bowen Shea in Portland, and I'm joined today by Adrian Martini. In lovely Oneonta, where it's 16 degrees, even as we speak. Oh my goodness, uh, in the middle of the, it, well, it's, it's even like the hottest, quote unquote, hottest part oh yes, of your day. <laughs> yes, we're having a heat wave. I'm going to go out in my suit here in a minute and bask in the sunshine. I love that you also just say Oneonta as if it's like standalone, like, <laughs> like Los Angeles, Chicago, Oneonta. I mean, it's not. Uh, in Oneonta, New York, which is kind of, uh, we're technically in the southern tier. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the, there you go. Southern tier Middle of the of- state or southern tier, not of the Adirondacks, no? No, uh, southern tier of the state. Mm, okay. We're near the Catskills. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I think yep. you might be a little more southern than I give you credit for, Adrian. I know. Um, well, you know, we do have grits, so... <laughs> So, Adrian, you are one of the four new co-hosts joining the show on a rotating basis. And as I explained on last week's show, Dimity will now be co-hosting the podcast every fourth or fifth week as she's now running our new Train Like a Mother Club that I talk a little bit more about at the end of the show. And uh, many of you know Adrian from her witty, honest blog post on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. And Adrian's column used to be called Martini Friday, because you got to love her last name. (laughs) Uh, And now that we post our podcast on the site every Friday, though, we drink up her column. um, And it's uh, renamed Dry Martini every other Thursday. Usually, unfortunately, Adrian, um, (laughs) situation has been thing, you know, forces have been working against it. And it's like, oh, we need to get Adrian on there. So uh, you're going to be on next Tuesday. Tuesday, yes. It begins with a T. It's kind of like yes. Thursday. Yeah. So everybody should mark their calendars and block <laughs> off the time to uh, <laughs> to read that, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have been on the podcast a few times before. So, um, you know, your voice and your laugh uh, should be familiar. So um, I'll just keep talking. Um, so, Adrian, uh, please refresh and remind people about some details in your life, like how many kids you have and especially your running background, please. So I have two kids. Uh, my daughter is 13, which, you know, we're weathering 13. It'll it'll be okay. Um, and my son is 10. Um, my running background, I started running um, right around the time I turned 40. So that would have been four and some years ago. Uh, because I finally realized that the baby weight that I'd put on with my son was pretty much mine at that point. <laughs> I couldn't really chalk it up to baby weight because he was, I think, seven. So uh, he was six. So I decided I needed to do something and then suddenly fell in love with running, which would have been the last thing I ever expected would happen. 
Um, and we, then, you were not an athlete in high school oh, no. or college or anything like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I <laughs> no, you silly woman, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, not even a little. Uh, like my big activity on a weekend would be reading for eight or nine hours straight. You know, it takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of training <laughs> to sit on your tush for that long. But you know, I felt up for it. Um, so I uh, started running and just really started to fall in love with it. Once I got past that first, you know, three, four months where it's not as much fun uh-huh. as you might hope. Uh-huh. Um, and then trained for the Pittsburgh Half Marathon, which was kind of where my relationship with another mother runner started. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So tell us why you love running. I, 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 I'll start. I, I love running because I love to be outside. And I like proving that I'm not, I also was a huge, huge reader as a young person and um, to prove to myself that I'm not that person anymore. That's one of the Mm. reasons why I love running. Um, Nothing wrong with that person, but just um, I oftentimes feel like an imposter in the athletic world. And so my daily run reaffirms that no, 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 I'm (laughs) card carrying. I'm legit. (laughs) Um, And also I have um, definitely admitted recently that the reason I like running is because it's a um, uh, excuse to leave the house, particularly on right. weekends. <laughs> so, right. so how about you? Why, why uh, do you love I totally, running? I understand all of those. Um, I will always feel like an imposter at running. Cause anytime that I start to feel a little cocky, uh, it takes me down a peg. Mm-hmm. Um, I love running because <laughs> you I sound feel- like you're in class. I love running. because <laughs> <laughs> I feel, Yeah. Uh, well, I'm trying to kind of formulate all of the thought um, and, in a way that doesn't make me sound like I really don't like people at all. Um, <laughs> I like the f- I do like getting away on the weekends. Um, I have a 15 mile run coming up on Sunday because Coach Christine is trying to kill me very slowly. <laughs> um, so I'm not, you know, I'm looking forward to that in a sense. But I like the fact that it's usually time where I don't have to be responsible for anything other than getting from this point to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and here's where I start sounding like a person who doesn't like people, but I don't have to actually talk to anyone. Um, it's kind of like a reverse Barbra Streisand song. <laughs> people, people who don't like people. <laughs> no, see, I really, I, I deep, deep down, I'm an introvert. Um, you can fake being an extrovert for a surprising amount of time, but then need those moments to really just kind of regroup. And running gives that to me. Nice. Nice. Well, um, and and you are training for Austin Half Marathon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and Austin, it's sneaking up faster than I thought, which is why I have this enormously long run. <laughs> this, uh, this, hey, wait get- a minute, longer than the race distance run. I, well, you know, uh, this is now my fifth half marathon maybe fifth or sixth fourth i don't know um (laughs) one of those numbers one of those numbers pick the number you like (laughs) uh so i know i can do the 13 miles now it's i'd like to do them just the teeniest bit faster Mm -hmm. than i've done the past Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. okay and i hear that so we're talking austin texas which is in the um, right adjacent to the hill country of yes. of Texas. So I hear from Dimity that it's a hilly half marathon because she's done it too. I know. See, here's the thing. <laughs> I live in hills, so I'm kind of used to running hills anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the course profile, you know, I can kind of shrug it off because the, I mean, there's still hills and they're still hard, but it's not, I, 
it's not like running up Pikes Peak. I mean, they're they're rolly hills. They're not uh, ninety degree hills. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, and that's my daily run anyway, so I don't really oh look at you to think about it too much. Well, that's a good attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So Adrian, I, I, um, dreamed up, schemed up this thing that to help listeners remember who's who among the co-hosts that I'm thinking that every time, you know, a co-host joins the show that we'll have each of you all give an update on the same subject. So for instance, coach Christine, who coached last week, she shared a few anecdotes about the gals she's coaching or like when my best running friend Molly is going to host, she will reveal how much change she's found while running. You know, change as in dimes, quarters, pennies, right. that sort of thing. That's <laughs> um, just something very important to tell all right, of them. Exactly. I'm a man stuck in a woman's body. Um, and um, uh, she's, you know, so she'll, you know, tell us, you know, oh, I found 17 cents or whatever. She found 11 cents over the weekend. But um, it's not like when she will be competitive about that at all. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm still stinging from her finding that dime on Sunday's <laughs> run. But <laughs> it's Thursday. I'm almost over it. Go past it. Go past it. <laughs> um, so and then but here's the thing, Adrian, like, what do you think? You know, like, are you going to tell us what you've been drinking lately? Or, you know, is that beating the martini horse into the ground or you know uh should you tell us what you've been knitting since one of your memoirs is entitled sweater quest my year of knitting dangerously like what do you what do you think i don't think the martini thing will work because i'll let you in on a little secret um which is that i don't actually drink i thought Um, i almost texted you yesterday i was like you're a teetotaler aren't you and i thought oh we'll just we'll just find that out on the podcast yes i'm sanctimonious about it no i'm really not um (laughs) i I don't even really like soda. Oh, uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I'm good with water mm-hmm. and just remarkable amounts of coffee. So that doesn't really... Uh, <laughs> uh, make for interesting conversation. Make for interesting conversation at all. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm going to talk about knitting. And okay. I want to tell... The thing that leapt to mind is I just ordered a kit for what are called knitted knockers. <laughs> Um, first i think boobs then i think front door yeah no you should think boobs so they're um breast prosthetics that are knitted out of this really super soft wonderful yarn um that women who've had mastectomies can use um as prosthetics so it's a kit and you kind of knit them and send them back to, uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, but they then fill them and distribute them. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I saw it. Somebody sent me the link and I was like, Oh, I have to do this. So I'm going to knit some knockers once I get my yarn. So, Oh my gosh. So, but the, so I'm curious, do you know why it is that, that they use, um, knitted? Is it because it's like soft against skin, you know, against a scar, that sort of thing? I think mostly it's because it's soft against the skin and it's kind of one of those, um, they're relatively inexpensive. Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, Unlike, I suspect, you know, surgical official prosthetics, Mm -hmm. I imagine that would get pretty pricey. And I, of course, um, just while you're talking, I felt my own breasts to see if they felt like, a, you know, just some knitted <laughs> yarn altogether. No, they're a little bit firmer than that. But well, uh, yes, yes, but you can stuff them with whatever you want. I mean, you know, oh, for- I see. They go around. It's not just that uh, that you knit um, this dense thing that then you put. No, oh, no. it's the cover of it's the cover. And then you can put whatever you want inside. Mm. So, you know, you could fill it with. Actually, this is going to be really off tangent. Um mm. But when Toots, Dustin Hoffman was in Tootsie, mm-hmm. again, 
bear with me. <laughs> they filled his prosthetic breasts with birdseed because they found that that gave them kind of the best um, weight and appearance mm. and <laughs> movement. Um, and, and you now, know this how? Uh, some, who knows, some random piece of trivia that wandered through um, <laughs> my brain. I, since I worked in the theater, which is another long story, uh, I learned a lot about costuming, mm-hmm. and I suspect it came through that way or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then he talked about being attacked by birds. Because That's so funny that I was like, okay, was he like beset by this? Yes, know, he was apparently. Bird of crows. Yeah, and also because New York pigeons can be pretty aggressive. So. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so they fill them, you could fill them with, you know, lentils or birdseed or just plain old polyfill stuffing, depending on what kind of look you're going for, I guess. Oh, so. Or maybe lavender, you know, or so lavender. it would smell good. Uh-huh. That'd yeah. be nice. It would be nice. My... <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck in there anyway, you know? It also, now it sounds like we're talking about those sensory tables. Did your preschool have a sensory right. table? They did. They did oh. with the beans and the water and oh, oh, this, oh, I could play in a sensory table like all day long. Like the teacher at our preschool would change it up the first of every month and I would just rush down the stairs. <laughs> it, was, it was in this basement of our house, a finished basement. And I'd be like, oh, what's it going to be this time? Oh my gosh, it's lentils. I love the feeling of all those lentils. <laughs> amazing what excites you when you have small children (laughs) i think it still would i sometimes like daydream about going back to heartwood and just like oh and they had a light table with you know little things that you put geometric things you put together and they're made out of plastic so you see through them so anyway um well i will stop rambling on and making you talk about lentils and lavender seeds and (laughs) but but that is but that's wonderful that you're doing those knitted knockers so yeah so good okay so well then you will update us on your knitting projects that is um although i will say that ellison who's another one of the co-hosts she works in a knitting store so um keep it straight people adrian's the one who's knitting knockers i think yes. <laughs> when you think of me i want you to think of boobs That's... Right. good good all right well as you know, Adrian, today you and I are going to be joined by Kristen Porter of Iowa Girl Eats, a really fantastic blog, and she is also the author of an ebook called Gluten-Free for Beginners. And Kristen's going to talk about treadmill workouts, eating gluten-free, and getting back into running after her diagnosis of celiac disease. But before we are joined by Kristen, let's take a break for messages from two sponsors. First up is audible.com, and then we'll hear from Lisa, a mom of two school-aged daughters in Michigan, who will tell us how Highland's leg cramps helped her get through her final month of training for her debut marathon last year. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, Adrian, enough about us. Let's start gabbing with Kristen Porter, the mother runner behind the website Iowa Girl Eats. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much. So nice to have you aboard, Kristen. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, including your running background? You bet. So I am a mom uh, living in Iowa, in Des Moines, Iowa, 
And the blog, Iowa Girl Eats, I've been writing since 2009. And I started it after uh, my husband and I got married and he was working nights. And I was alone at home without a hobby. And so I um, kind of poured my energy and time into this blog. And it's just, it's grown from there. And I've been writing it full time for about three or four years now. And then uh, we had our son, who's now two and a half in uh, August 2013. And uh, a little bit about my running background. Uh, when I started the blog, you know, I had all that time on my hands. Um, and so I started uh, running. And we, at the time where we lived, we had all these great trails by us. And um, I just decided one day, you know, I'm not, I, I need a, I need something to do with my time besides this blog. So I started running. And then about six months later, I signed up for a half marathon. And the moment I signed up for it, I immediately regretted it. <laughs> what have I done? What am I doing? And um, it ended up being fantastic. And it was, it was, um, it was a half marathon in Chicago. And the day of was the rainiest day in Chicago's history. No way. Oh yes. I mean, like, the stars were totally misaligned that day, but it actually really helped me. I thought, um, just take my, take my mind off the pain and, and what the heck I was doing. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. And I, I still can't believe I did it, but it was great to kind of check off, um, that half marathon on my bucket list. And I guess I, I, you know, kept running from there and, and built my mileage and yeah, it's been great. Nice. Nice. So we'll, uh, there's several reasons why we wanted to have you as a guest on the podcast. I've been reading your blog for quite a long time. And I'm like, oh, I want to get her on the show. So, um, so the one of the first reasons is um, because you have an amazing collection of treadmill workouts on your site that range everything from 25 minutes up to 55 minutes long. And and by my count, you have 64 treadmill workouts on there. Yes. Yeah, I know. So that's that's more, that's more than enough to do a different workout every day for more than two months. So what got you started sharing your treadmill workouts with your readers? Well, you know, I live in Iowa, so we have the four seasons, and I'd say a good two and a half of those seasons are um, not really conducive for the for the average runner to be running outside. And you know, I, I see people running out on the ice and the snow, and I wish I could do that, but the the truth is that I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared all. I'll slip on the ice. Um, so, you know, a lot of us are, are confined to the gym for those months. And, you know, let's be honest, they call it the dreadmill for a reason. It can be so boring. Um, and so I just started thinking of ways I could spice up my time on the treadmill. And so I started adding, um, uh, you know, inclines and then uh, intervals. And it just made the time fly. And so I just had a lot of fun creating new routines and, um you know, kind of seeing how fast I could rack up mileage in the shortest amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's kind of how it started. Nice, nice. So, so and then so you say two and a half seasons. So winter, you're saying is indoors, then is summer because it's too hot? Well, summer, I actually I'm like one of those weird people that love, <laughs> love running in the humidity and just like oh. sweating my life away. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very strange. But, um, you know, spring, the, the snow can I got married in April and it's April 5th. And on April 3rd, we had a um, the year I got married, we had a snowstorm. So <laughs> the spring. Yeah. And, and luckily it melted the next day on the 4th. So the 5th, we had a gorgeous day. But um, the point is, is that the spring is very, very um, 
unpredictable in the Midwest. So I count the spring as kind of iffy here. I I understand you completely. I our spring maybe shows up in May. So yeah, you I just understand. never know. You don't know. Yeah, I went to school um, not too too far from where Adrian lives in Central New York, and uh, it definitely you know, and school would let out in mid May, and there were definitely times that we got snow even in May. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> So and when you say trails, um, I, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think of Iowa as a trail running state. You know, it's not like Colorado that's famed for its trails or something. So are we talking paved trail? Are we talking dirt trails? Yeah, we're talking paved trails. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you said, w- this isn't any off-roading trails, but we've got gorgeous, gorgeous trails, miles and miles of them uh, here in central Iowa. Mm-hmm. The biking community is huge. Uh, you know, we have Ragbri in Iowa, mm-hmm. so this is a really big hotspot for bike trails. And then obviously that's conducive to running as well. Oh, nice. Nice. And do, yeah. you, ever, do you ever see inline skaters out there, the throwbacks? You know what? We, I haven't seen any for a while. And I got, I moved to Minneapolis after college and, um, the inline skating was huge there and it always made me giggle, but they looked <laughs> like they were having the best time, way more fun than I was chugging along, running around the lakes there but um no you know i haven't seen any in a while we we um so well first of all that rollerblade the you know the the ubiquitous company that that created inline skating or that popularized it i think was based in um the twin Cities, so that might have been why it was such a hotbed but also um here in portland there's a trail a paved very flat trail that parallels the runways of portland airport it's between the portland airport and the river there's not much real estate in there but so um occasionally i'll run out there or go biking out there and i almost always see like two or three inline skaters and i'm just like wayne what is this like back to the future (laughs) like what's going on here I know, but they always look like they're having the best time, don't they? Oh, and they also have this kind of like, I don't care that I'm doing something that's totally <laughs> not hip anymore. And like, you know, if if my skate broke, I would not be able to get parts for it. Or I'd maybe have to put skateboard <laughs> wheels on it. I don't know. No, so I, I'm actually surprised Portland doesn't have those quad old school skiers oh, out there yeah oh i bet oh i bet i would see those but um but these are like you know it's definitely this strip of trail is definitely for people who are kind of intent on just really working out and not doing like moves or you know getting out the boom box and, and doing <laughs> fa- fancy the fanny dance. Pack. yeah right the fanny pack <laughs> that would totally complete the look exactly um <laughs> uh, so another really big reason that we wanted to talk to you is because a few years ago you mentioned on your blog, which I've been reading as well, that you were di- diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, and just to share a little bit, my daughter was diagnosed with celiac when she was four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some experience with kind of figuring out the gluten-free lifestyle um, my daughter's 13 now, and really, we decided that if you have to have an autoimmune disorder, that you know, celiac is really the one you want. Um, not that you want any of them, mm-hmm. um, because it can be so easily controlled through diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I say it's easy, like, oh yeah, it's easy to cut out all the gluten from your diet, um, knowing full well that that is not the truth. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you and what that transition was like for you? Yeah, for sure. And I just, 
right off the bat, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, obviously nobody wants an autoimmune disorder or disease, but who who with a disease can say they can stay out of the hospital or manage their disease through food? Right. You know, hardly any. Um, so in that respect, yes, I feel very lucky that there's no um, – there's no prescriptions, there's no therapies, there's no hospital stays. It's, it's, it's on my shoulders to control and um, adapt to. So that, that feels very good. But um, yeah, so after I had my son in 2013, for about six months, I just felt horrible. Um, I had horrible fatigue and really bad GI issues and um, I just kind of chalked it all up to being new mom, you know. Right. <clears throat> I wasn't sleeping, and da da da. You know, it's hard having a, having a newborn. Um, but when when my son started sleeping through the night, and these um, these these items continued, I knew something was wrong. And so I went to my doctor and talked to him about what was going on, and he um, he thought it was depression, mm-hmm. and. And I knew it wasn't depression. You know, obviously being a new mom for the first time is very, very hard. So there's, you know, hormones are up and down and da, da, da. So, you know, that could have been it, but I knew in my heart it wasn't it. Um, and so I, I pressed him to continue to get tested and just, you know, figure this out. And so luckily I have a DO. My doctor's a DO. And so he's really open to kind of exploring many what different avenues. What is a DO, if I can ask? Um, versus an MD, they're just kind of more open to, they're not a doctor of functional medicine who want to uh, look into the the reasons why something is happening versus slapping a prescription on it. So they're kind of in the middle of an MD and a, and a, a doctor of functional medicine, a DO is. Um, so he, he versus like, oh, you have gastrointestinal issues. I'm going to write you a prescription for da-da-da. He's like, let's look into this. Let's have some blood tests done. And so that's what we did. Um, the test for for celiac disease is a simple blood test. It starts with a simple blood test. And that's called a TTG test. And the that te- that tests gluten antibodies in the blood. So if, if your body is reacting to gluten, this test will show that. And so my levels were way off the charts. Um, I had a few procedures done after that to confirm the diagnosis. And so that was all about six months after my son was born. And yeah, and you know, it felt great to figure out why I'd been feeling so terrible and just like I was dying basically. Mm -hmm. But um, it was, you know, like I said earlier, who the heck wants an autoimmune disease? And especially one where um, you're cutting out so much, so many foods that you love and, um, eat every day. And especially for me, for a food blogger, I was like, what does this mean for me? Like, do I have to quit? You know, like I, I was just so overwhelmed and, um, you know, I started doing my research and realizing that gluten is in a ton of food. I mean, it, if you look on the packages in your pantry, I bet 90% of the, of the cans or boxes or whatnot have gluten in them. But, um, you know, you can, you can cook very easily at home gluten-free and it wasn't, once I finally got my mind wrapped around that, I was like, okay, this is totally doable. Um, I switched the focus of my blog and that was very stressful, but my readers have been amazing. And, um, we've been doing that for about two years now. Wow. One of the biggest problems that we had is for the first six months, kind of this feeling of, uh, I, I'm just interested if you went through this too, of just continual kind of 
panic and bewilderment where you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what exactly you can eat um, safely where you don't have those symptoms coming back. Totally. And I, I, I got gluten all the time. I don't know about your daughter and I can't even imagine like, I can't even imagine cooking something for your daughter or choosing something for your, your children and having them get sick and seeing that and just right. like, stress that would put on you. I can't, I can't even imagine what you were going through. Um, but you know, it's super, super hard. And, um, about a year and a half after my diagnosis, I wrote an ebook, um, called gluten-free for beginners. And it was everything that I wished I had had from day one. Um, all the knowledge that I'd wish I'd had from day one, because it is the learning curve is just so steep. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I had no resources um, when I had to go gluten-free. So, so that's why I wrote the ebook is to help. If you got diagnosed with celiac disease today, here's what you need to do now. Right. Yeah. I think the first step should probably be, you know, don't panic. Yes. You can still have chocolate. You can still and wine and wine. Not when you're four, but yes. (laughs) Although it would make the day go faster, I guess. Uh, uh, You know, you can still have cheese if there's not something else. You know, if you don't have a problem with the uh, lactose. Um, Mm -hmm. So you know, there's a lot of stuff you can eat. Uh, yeah. And I think people, I think people still hear the word gluten-free and they freak out, you know, it's just, there's tons of product, gluten-free products out there, but I think the explanation or common knowledge as to what gluten is, is still very, um, it's just, it's just not very well known yet. And my, you know, like even my dad still asked me like, do potatoes have gluten in them? Right. Like, oh, dad, <laughs> they don't. Um, but yeah, I think there's still a lot of, um, knowledge that can be, uh, or, or education that could be provided to the general public. Yeah, because I'm I'm intrigued, Kristen. You use the verb glutened, mm-hmm. and I had never heard that as a verb before. So I get the sense that then that might come about from like one of those sneaky products on the pantry shelf that that don't appear to have gluten in them, but that do. Exactly. Yeah. Or, um, you know, eating out at restaurants is very, very difficult Mm -hmm. when you're trying to eat gluten free because, you know, you don't see what's happening on the line. And, uh, you know, cross contamination is a huge issue Mm -hmm. in restaurants and in kitchens. And we the the moment when I started seeing a significant turnaround in my health was when we cut gluten out of our house completely. Because it was just too hard to give my two-year-old a bowl of Cheerios. And then, you know, he's got Cheerio dust on his fingers. He's touching everything. And, and then, you know, the whole house is contaminated. So, so that's, we, we had to do that before I really started getting better. Right. So, uh, and Cheerios are, oh, I'm sorry, sir. No, do you go ahead. Che- you talk about Cheerios, yeah. Uh, Cheerios are now gluten-free, <laughs> so. Yes, uh, they are. Yeah. Wow. Uh, just FYI. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like other people were, were getting glutened without knowing about it. So that was it's an interesting move. So, so Kristen, you told me via email that your running was greatly affected by celiac disease. Could you talk a little bit about that too, please? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of this, and this might sound a little like self pity, but I kind of feel like my body after getting celiac disease has turned into like a bird's body. Like I just feel very fragile and, um, and things that didn't used to take a toll on me now do. Um, so I, I didn't work out for a really, really long time after getting celiac disease. 
um, because I just didn't have the energy. And a lot of that was because I, I didn't know how to be gluten-free yet. I was still learning. I was still climbing the steep learning curve. Um, and you know, your, your energy is just white. Um, but after I got control of the, of the disease and my energy started returning and, um, and part of that was obviously cutting out gluten, but including, um, some foods that were fighting inflammation and just being smarter about my food choices. My energy has returned. And so I've gotten back into running, which is really exciting. And it's just so, it's just so good for your mind. Um, but that, that said, I have not, I have not, um, return to high intensity running. I don't feel like I'm ready yet. So describe getting back into it with, um, I mean, I think you alluded to run walking and so, Mm -hmm. um, talk us through that. Yeah. A lot of walking, (laughs) 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 my walk jogging. Um, but yeah, and, and it's really hard mentally to remember that, like that high of running of the, the high intensity workouts and just how great that felt. But, but knowing what's best for me now is the low intensity workouts, but, but understanding that anything is better than nothing. So I've been doing a lot of low intensity jogging on the treadmill and I'm super excited for this summer and this snow to thaw to get back out on the trails. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, any, the the signing up for the gym actually doing that and putting on the clothes and getting on the treadmill is the first step and then I think as you all know once you start doing it 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 encourages you encourages you to keep doing it and the longer you're out of the game the harder it is to get back into it so you know you just got to make that step and um it kind of snowballs from there at least it has for me so true. Yeah, I feel that um, sort of lethargy begets lethargy, and that totally. That then you're like, oh yeah, I really like this sleeping in thing, and gosh, there's a lot of books to read, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? and then the packed. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Oh my gosh, and that doesn't even include Netflix and Amazon Prime. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then why am I so tired if I'm getting all this sleep? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. and that was a huge thing for me. One of the biggest things that celiac affected for me was my energy levels. Um, and I really felt those return when I started getting back into working out. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, being a mom and, and, you know, all the, the things that moms need to do and have energy to do, one of them is always cooking and dinner time. Um, are there any dinner time entrees or dinner time go-tos that you have? Yes. So my son is obsessed with two foods and one is spaghetti, um, which I think a lot of kids are. And so I made this recipe called shortcut vegetable ragu. So basically you take a jar of tomato sauce and I like to look for really high quality tomato sauces without sugar. Um, Organic is great. And then I chop up a ton of vegetables in my food processor. So I'll chop up um, mushrooms, carrots, celery, basically zucchini, anything I have in the vegetable drawer, and then saute those up, add a pound of ground beef and saute that up with it, and then add the tomato sauce and a little bit of chicken or beef broth. And it makes the best tasting tomato sauce, which is just, I mean, crazy healthy. And my son loves it. And we just serve it with um, gluten-free pasta. And he just gobbles that up. So I make that at least once a week. 
And then he also loves soup, <laughs> <laughs> which he calls bone sauce because I made I made, <laughs> I made bone broth in the crock pot a couple weeks, well, a couple months ago now. And he tried it and he went nuts for it. So now he calls any soup bone sauce. <laughs> okay. Might, might be something that's only funny to the mother. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but he, so he requests that um, a lot. So I'll make homemade chicken noodle soup, which the recipe is on my blog. And then he loves chicken and wild rice soup. So I make that a lot too. Oh, nice. Nice. And speaking. I wish you were coming over to dinner. Right. right. <laughs> speaking of wild rice, the recipe that caught my eye recently on your blog is the wild rice and kale bowl that you were inspired from. Um, I guess you ate it at Sweet Greens. Is that right? Out in yeah, D.C.? Yeah. yeah, which I love. Um, my best friend from high school lives right outside of D.C. and she always takes me there. And it's just it's as delicious as you wrote about on your blog. And, and um, so I definitely saved that recipe and I'm all all set to make it. I just adore wild rice. That's lately been, I, I've always been a fan of it, but lately that's my like, oh yeah, I love wild rice. I'm gonna cook more wild rice. Oh, it's the best. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that whole nutty flavor to it. And, yeah. Uh, and the texture, I just love the texture. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The only bummer is it does take an awful long time to cook. Mm-hmm. I know. I actually made chicken and wild rice soup two nights ago and I started it at five like oh this would be great and da, da, da. and then like an hour and a half later <laughs> it was still cooking and it's like bath time and right. so. exactly yeah it's a-, that a little earlier <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so what's been the biggest challenge food to cut out of of you know of your diet like what do you miss the most pizza for sure <laughs> yeah pizza sweet sweet pizza um I uh, you know, and I think, I think the act of simply picking up the phone and calling Domino's mm-hmm. is also one of, you know, so much of this, of dealing with this disease is mental. And one of those things is just like convenience, you know, mm-hmm. and having Friday night pizza nights with my husband and, um, just picking up the phone and, and ordering pizza. Like you just don't think about how nice that is (laughs) until you can't do it um but yeah pizza so good I miss it I was in New York last year and um like randomly stumbled upon this celiac friendly pizza shop and um yeah I think I've actually been there no I took my daughter there was it Paula pizza no it was a different one so there are two (gasps) I'll have to get the other one from you (laughs) I can't remember the name of it but yeah I'll I have it written down so I'll Okay, perfect. Yeah, this one was Paula Pizza, and they have a separate kitchen. So it's a pizza shop, and they have regular pizza, but then they have a separate pizza kitchen with separate paddles and ingredients and everything, and I ate an entire pizza by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Like sitting by myself in the restaurant because I was there alone, and it was amazing. Um, And and I might add that in addition to sometimes feeling as fragile as a bird, I got to say from your pictures, you look like you're about as big as a bird. So that's quite an accomplishment (laughs) for you to eat a pizza by yourself. Oh, gosh, it was so good. And and the thing is, is like a lot of pizza shops around here, at least claim to have. Well, they do. They have gluten free crust, but they're using using the same ingredients on both pizza crusts. So the crust contamination is inevitable. So they'll use the same spoon for the pizza sauce that they spread on the gluten-free crust and then the regular crust and are going back and forth so yes you might have a gluten-free crust but the the ingredients are essentially contaminated and unfortunately i've learned that the hard way Mm -hmm. um so 
Yeah, but pizza. Love it. Miss it. <laughs> I think the person who invents the perfect gluten-free pizza crust, too, is going to make a bazillion dollars. I totally agree. I will be their number one customer. Yes. <laughs> so, well, you you know, Kristen, I think you might be the person to do that. Do you, do you develop your recipes yourself or do you modify ones you see? Like, how do, how do you cook up all your recipes? Yeah, I, um, for the most part, develop all of my recipes and... Um, I think that was one of the light bulb moments for me when I was freaking out about how the blog would continue is that gluten-free cooking at least is, I mean, it's not different. It's not that different. Um, there's gluten-free pasta you can use. Um, you know, there's gluten-free flour if you want to thicken sauces or soups or anything like that. So gluten-free cooking, I have found to not be difficult. Um, gluten-free baking is an entirely different beast and I don't eat sugar anyway. Um, so I haven't really dived into that, into the gluten-free baking world. And there are some gluten-free blogs that are dedicated to baking and they're, you know, it looks like they, you know, are indistinguishable from the, from the regular thing. But yeah, gluten-free baking is a different beast that I haven't really dived into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the blogs that really does a great job with baking is called gluten-free girl oh yeah um, and she really has got it dialed in i think yes and um gluten-free on a shoestring she's got a, a wonderful blog with with great baking recipes too oh, good. we actually have a number of gluten-free bakeries here in portland oh i've heard that mm -hmm. yeah you i mean i think i think portland probably would be kind of a quote-unquote easy city to to be able to eat um, in restaurants and things like that being gluten-free. I, um, a mom of one of my daughter's, actually both my daughter's kids, um, ha is she's gluten-free and, and I sense that, you know, fine, being able to stop and get something to eat while she's out is not as tough as it might be in some other cities. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, we have to ask, you live in Iowa, you live in Des Moines, the caucuses are right around the corner. So, um, so have you been cooking, cooking for any presidential hopefuls or been on the treadmill next to them? You know, any sightings? Oh man. You know what? <laughs> I am like the most unlucky person in celebrity or presidential candidate, um, sightings. I, so Sean Johnson, if you know her, the gymnast from the Olympic, from the, oh, right. So, yeah. So she lives like right down the street from me and grew up right down the street from me. And I, I was like the last person in the entire city to see her in person. <laughs> and I finally saw her a couple years ago at Christmas Eve service. And I was like, yes, I finally saw her. So no, I have not seen her. Really? Because I mean, yeah. you, re you read the coverage, you, know, you listen to the political podcast and it makes it sound like they're just like out there all the time. You know, well, they are like, and, and just oh. in and about. And, you know, you see them at the airport, you see them at the, you know, the diner, whatever it is. Totally. And they were they were all over the Iowa State Fair this summer. And I went like a record number of times and saw no one. Never saw them. Yep. <laughs> so how many how many times this week have you had to answer a phone poll? Oh, man, I don't I am a weirdo that doesn't pick up the phone if I don't know who's calling. Oh, that's I, not weird. No. My oh, gosh. that's not weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because, you know, living in Iowa, you know who's on the other line. You know it's a poll yeah. or a message. So it's like, ugh, no. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, my goodness. So so do you caucus or no? I personally do not, no. 
it just sounds like a I, I'm I love politics I'm uh have been involved in them but I mean that sounds like a big drag I do oh, it so not want to go yeah. okay so it's dark it's super cold and then going to someone's house and that it could last hours I right, mean, yeah. you know, back to the whole Amazon Prime and Netflix. There's a lot of stuff to be watched at night. You know? <laughs> there are so many. Mo- yes. And, yes. And then to be like, oh, okay, well, we didn't reach consensus. So here, why don't you t- talk nonstop now about your candidate that I totally despise? Like, go on, go. <laughs> just right. waste my time. It's okay. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit here and glare at you because I really want to go home. Right. So- and all these things you baked, they all have gluten in them. So what's the yeah. point? Right. I can't eat anything here, so right, right. I'm out. <laughs> and I can't even have a glass of wine because now I have to go home. So. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, it's been a ton of fun talking with you, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank yes, you. thank you so much for having me. Great. Take care. You too. I just love Kristen. That was so much fun to talk with her. I know that was so great. Yeah. And now I want to go to Iowa. I, oh, exactly. Oh, please, of course. You know, she's talking about those trails. I'm like, what? Great, right? great yeah. trails. I need to like take the AMR party on the road to Iowa now. Exactly. You know, and I and I love always. I've said this before. I love adding a new state for where AMR visits. So I don't know, mm-hmm. Adrian. I think I think uh-huh. you head west. I'll head east. Okie doke. Meet in the middle. <laughs> Meeting in Des Moines. Um. So and well, let's. Uh, speaking of of going places, let's um head on over to the challenge corner and hear from Dimity. Hi, this is Dimity in Denver with your challenge corner for mid-January. I'm going to pull a comment from our Stride Through the Holidays Facebook page, um, which is now over. That challenge is finally over. We all made it through the holidays. (laughs) Round of applause for that. Um, This is from Shelly, and she says, "Um, before this page closes, I want to post one final fancy pants picture. And more importantly, say thank you so much to the organizers of this program and so for, and for so many empowering participants. I actually joined Facebook just to do this challenge, and you folks did not disappoint. I signed up for the Train Like a Mother 13.1 Challenge, and am, for the first time in my life, excited to run. I'm happy to have all this virtual support, and I am really looking forward to running with many of you in 2016. Run strong, have fun, and stay fancy, all you beautiful bammers. Again, that was from Shelly, who was in our Stride Through the Holidays program. Joined Facebook just for it, which is a huge, (laughs) I don't know if that's a sacrifice or uh, a benefit or what, but um, that's pretty cool. And um, we had a little fancy pants thing going on that page. One mother runner uh, started it. I think her name was Sarah, started and posted a picture of kind of some great capris slash tights, you know, with a great pattern. And all of a sudden the fancy pants trend took off. So anyway, I love that um, the stride was so great for her that she's ready now to take on a half marathon challenge and is excited to run. So glad you're joining us, Shelly. And I hope that uh, I hope that other people will consider joining us. If you haven't already head to train like a mother club to sign up for a 10k half marathon or marathon your best training experience yet and your strongest race yet and uh registration is going to close on january 24th so get your little badass booty fancy pants over there and then our song for this week is a little tribute to 
the good, amazing singer David Bowie. And uh, it's not one of his, you know, under pressure songs or fame, but instead it's Dancing in the Streets. I saw this music video in a movie theater, uh, gosh, sometime in the 80s. And I just remember thinking, oh, I love these guys. They have so much energy. They don't care what anybody's thinking. And they're just dancing in the streets, kind of like you're running in the streets and doing a little dance along the way. So enjoy. See you next week. Across the nation, a chance for folks to meet. Love laughing and singing, and music swinging, dancing in the street. Well, we have to encourage you to join the brand new Train Like a Mother Club, which Dimity has just been, she just is working so, so hard on that and just enjoying it immensely. Um, that's one of the things I love is um, hearing the joy in Dimity's voice when she talks about the Train Like a Mother Club. And the Train Like a Mother Club, it's home for exercise plans, running training plans, including 10K half marathon and marathon plans, and a 5K plan kicks off next month. All the plans include access to trainlikeamother.club, which is flush with resources, including strength training workouts and recipes, a private Facebook page and Strava Club, and a map of mother runners across the globe, and a seriously stocked swag bag. Ship right to your front door. I'm going to be shipping those uh, week after next. And you can also add in a commemorative t-shirt and or medal. And the prices of these plans are amazeballs, let's just say that. It is 50 cents a day, which makes the 10K and half marathon plans $52.50, and the marathon plan just $63. Train Like a Mother Club members also get great discounts on some key races around the country, including Flying Pig, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and Eugene Marathons and Half Marathons. Adrian, you will be at the our AMR table at Pittsburgh. I know you're excited for that. Yep. 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 My hometown. Go yep. Steelers. <laughs> so the registration is open through January 24th. So head over to trainlikeamother.club. Again, that's trainlikeamother.cu. So I can't spell club. C-L-U-B. So whether you're on a treadmill, road, track, or trail, many happy miles to you. Yeah.